0: Welcome to our podcast to mark World Menopause Day. My name is Joanna Alnion and I'm a director at Whittle and Diversity in Retail. For those of you who don't know us already, we exist to support organisations to create inclusive cultures where anyone can thrive and reach their full potential. We have a mission to positively impact 6 million people from across both the hospitality, travel, leisure and retail sectors by 2025. Understanding menopause and its impact on the workplace is so important when you consider women over the age of 50 are the fastest growing segment of the UK workforce and according to the British Menopause Society, will equate to an estimated one in six by 2022, 80% of whom will have menopausal symptoms. In 2019, we partnered with Lauren Turan, CEO and founder of the organization, Women of a Certain Stage, and a specialist executive health and menopause at work coach to write a white paper on the impact of menopause at work. As part of the white paper, we surveyed women from across the sector on their personal experiences of menopause. The results were both stark and heartbreaking, with over 70% of women feeling that their symptoms may have impacted their performance level. And most worrying was 19% of women avoided promotion or opportunity because of their symptoms. And over 30% considered leaving their job as a result of their symptoms. Thankfully, over the last year, awareness of menopause and its potential impact has improved. However, there is still a sense of taboo around the topic. As well as wider considerations of women's health and well-being, for example, fertility or baby loss also remain somewhat taboo. I'm delighted that Lauren has joined me again for this podcast to discuss the progress made since we wrote the white paper together and also how much more there is to be done to make the topic the norm and what organizations can do to further support women's health and well-being. I hope you find our conversation interesting and enlightening. So welcome, Lauren. Great to have you here. Brilliant to have an opportunity to chat about all things menopause and work. So, Lauren, why is helping organisations and individuals navigate menopause successfully so important to you? Do you mind to share your personal journey with us?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, Basically, I left my job in my early 40s thinking I had early onset dementia. And I was completely floored when my doctor told me a few short months later that I'd just gone through premature menopause. So in that moment, I realized I had literally stepped out of a career that I worked really hard for. I had gone through about 18 months of questioning my own sanity, struggling with my recall and retention with sore joints and itchy skin, really questioning my ability to perform at work. And I worked in a very male-dominated environment, so I was not very comfortable putting my hand up to ask for help and support. And when my doctor said it's just being premature menopause, I was flabbergasted. I felt stupid. Mm-hmm. and I felt that if I've gone through this, then there must be other people out there too. So I didn't want another woman to go through what I had, and that's where women of a certain stage came from.
0: Uh, that's an incredible story, particularly, um, and did you feel you had to leave because there wasn't support or did you feel this urge to to create women of a certain stage, as you say, to help other yeah. women? Cuss- I,
1: yeah, I left work thinking I'd earlier on, I had no clue. I was basically in my early 40s and had no idea that it was menopause I was going through. I just knew that my relationships at work were beginning to suffer things weren't going as they should be or had been going for the last two years. And I'd been headhunted in the role I was in at the time and the previous role, two different firms. And I just felt like something wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on it. My teams were performing out of their skin. We didn't drop the ball in anything. Everything was going really well. But I just felt disconnected. I felt like I was outside the circle of trust with the senior teams. And I didn't feel confident to raise my concerns in work. I didn't feel I was in an environment where that was something that I could do without mm-hmm. others looking at me as if I was weak, or vulnerable, and not up to the job.
0: And, and when you started the organization, what, you know, and I, 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 how long ago did you start Women of a Certain Stage? Eight, nearly eight years, we're in our eighth year now. Eighth year, uh-huh. and, um, and I'd love to come and, and, and talk about where you think the narrative is now, but when you started eight years ago, you know, how did you beat that drum? how did you get the message across? because as, as we know, and you and I have worked together on white papers and and, and, and uh, on the topic of menopause before it is almost seen as the last taboo isn't it within the workplace so eight years ago that would have been even more amplified. How did you start to break down you know some of that taboo and, and get people working with you to make a difference?
1: Yes, this was never intended to be a business. It was never, I just thought that I was going to go out there, I was going to talk to people about menopause, I was going to make sure that all women understood what this thing called menopause was. And then I go back to contracting and financial services. And I had no clue that this would be something I would carry on doing for the next eight years. So the first thing I really did was collaborate with a local charity. And together we got a group of women in Bristol together and we set up what I call menopause socials and they ended up rolling out across the UK and Canada and other parts of the world. So having these social interactions with other women going through similar things, it was great to hear, not great to hear their struggles, but it was great to hear the solutions that they found for themselves and the types of things that they were struggling with. And together we managed to find a lot of commonality. That camaraderie, that knowing you weren't alone was yes. so powerful and one of those conversations led on to me discussing menopause with a former colleague of mine in one of the banks I'd worked at and we hatched a plan to do a menopause launch event in the city in London and lo and behold it was oversubscribed the press and it just went down a treat. and literally in that moment women of a certain stage was born so Mm -hmm. that was that was really how it came about and once I started I just couldn't stop (laughs) (laughs)
0: and 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 good for the world that you didn't lauren definitely so um and i I, you know the narrative has changed hasn't it i would say um to some extent uh, in this present day i think the the topic has had more exposure i think companies are becoming more aware you know some more than others some are in the further on their journey where where do you think things have you know have improved and where do you think we really still need to go so we've got a long way to go
1: and um, the answer to that question varies depending what part of the globe you're in so in some countries we still don't discuss menopause in other countries we are beginning to discuss menopause so in the uk for example we have menopause on our secondary schools curriculum now and that's beginning to kick off and start so when we've got those conversations happening within the school system then clearly women men, everybody, all sex, all genders to be more aware of what this thing called menopause is and if we can normalize it that's going to have a massive impact. The other area that we're beginning to get some traction is encouraging medical schools to ensure that the doctors are trained on menopause. Sadly at the moment this is not happening. So it can be a bit hit and miss, a bit of a postcode lottery. Again, right across the globe, it will depend on how you get medical support and if you get medical support on menopause or you're just simply told away to get on with it. The other thing that we start to see now is with two parliamentary inquiries going on in the UK, and one is looking at dropping the prescription charges and the second reading of the bill for that, at the time of recording this, is on the 29th of October 2021. So hopefully there will be some good news from that soon. There's also parliamentary inquiry looking at menopause and work. So those two things themselves are a result of a massive tranche of women and lots of people lobbying to get menopause on the agenda. And it will be fascinating to read what that report comes out with. And like you said, Jana, um, there's been documentaries, there's been companies issuing policies, there's been all sorts of conversations, and I've spoken literally in every continent, partly thanks to yourselves, about menopause and about what workplaces can do. Mm. And I think one of the key things is that getting women to, because we uncovered an interesting statistic, which was 86% of women neither knew what menopause really was, nor how it was going to impact them. So we we know that we have to educate women and we have to get them feeling confident and comfortable to realize that they're absolutely within their right to ask for help and support through this life stage. It was a very long
0: answer, sorry. No, oh, that was a perfect answer. And I think what I found fascinating from the research we did together, Lauren, was that, you know, women didn't even ask their friends or their mothers or their sisters, you know, or the, the, the information they got was through those channels, but it still wasn't you know, even amongst women, it was a taboo, wasn't it, you know, and it and, and that's what I found fascinating as well, because, you know, just my personal experience, I never remember my grandmother talking about it, or my mum talking about it. And um, yes, yeah, so I think, you know, wherever we can open the conversation, isn't it, even amongst women themselves, I think it's got to be, um, you know, a positive step. But I think, as you say, I think the catalyst, if it comes from the government, where they force organisations to have a policy over 250 employees I think isn't it I think is the is the target I think that that will again see a another leap for change as well and are you are you noticing a difference in people in the way that your um, your clients come to you about what they're what they're needing from you because yeah. of this difference yeah so I'm being asked to do a
1: lot of policy reviews which is great mm-hmm. and helping people put policies or guidance documents together. Some of the global companies I work with will have a set of guidance or procedures that they recommend across the world, because it is received differently in different parts. And even within different continents, within different countries, there are variations on how we address this at work. The other part of it is, whereas over the first few years of doing this, people wanted general awareness sessions, which is a great place to open a conversation, more and more companies now are doing line management training. In fact... At the point of recording this i've done two line management sessions this morning for a firm and it was phenomenal because we had 50 percent split in mm-hmm. terms of um, men and women on the call and it's just great to see the questions that everyone's asking and the genuine curiosity about menopause and how they can help each other so the line management support the risk assessment of someone going through menopause, the provision of support mechanisms, like some of the programmes run and some of the services that are available. It's just brilliant to see that employers are now realising that women over the age of 50 are the most economically active group um, of employees and they're beginning to
0: see the value in supporting them and helping them through this stage. So yeah, big, big shifts. Which, and, and I think the conversation um... And I think we'll come back to partners as well, you know, in terms of because I think that's a more um, uh, the human element of it as well, because sometimes it's, it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's from a corporate perspective. You do forget the, the human element, don't you? And it's not just the person impacted physically and emotionally. It's their circle around them as well. isn't it? Are you finding that there's more understanding of that and awareness or is that still another thing that we we need to kind of work on?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, from a workplace perspective, last year we had between 11 and 13% of companies that have policies and were doing training the year before 5%. What I've noticed in the last year is some of my clients are actually opening up the general awareness sessions to family and friends. So that's been really interesting that the actual approach post-pandemic has been broader, wider, deeper to help genuinely support their staff. And that's fascinating, that's a big shift, because I had never done anything whereby it wasn't just the individual, but they could bring their partner to the session as well. So that's phenomenal. I do a lot more sessions on menopause for men, and whilst we might talk about menopause generally and how to manage it for work, you can guarantee that it's going to be how do I help my wife, or how do I help my PA, EA, and it's, it's great to just see the relief on their face when they're like, ah, know and and obviously we want to stop anyone from trying to fix somebody going through menopause but by knowing how to offer help and support and effectively signpost, somebody it can be the difference between you know a relationship flourishing or dying
0: so yeah yeah and and i think just moving on a little bit the conversation over the last even the last 12 months i think has has moved um I would say beyond menopause but what I mean is it's a more holistic approach to just women's health and well-being in general. Um, as well you know particularly around fertility there's a lot more seems to be a lot more open and candid conversation uh, pregnancy loss miscarriage it's um, you know there, there seems to be a real recognition um, of the need for organizations to help and support are you finding that as well with the companies that you work with
1: yeah and really right back at the very beginning the reason that I called the company women of a certain stage was to embrace all stages of a woman's life and the fact that menopause doesn't necessarily happen between 45 and 55, it can often happen like myself, much younger. So when I'm working with the clients I've been with for longer, we are now doing sessions on uh, menstruation. We're looking at fertility, different types of parenthood, looking at how do you plan for parenthood? How do you, you know, split that? If you're a, a single person, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a mixed, you know, mixed families, there's all sorts of different types of family and just making people take a step back to think about how that affects someone outside of work and the potential knock-on impacts inside work, it's embracing that whole being. And as you said, you know, historically, we haven't really accommodated miscarriage or infant loss. And those are things that are very real that have definitely, hugely detrimental impacts on people. Um, or like myself, you know, having a child with lifelong medical needs, and those things are real genuine considerations and when you allow people to talk about these things or let them feel safe to ask for help and support you're going to get so much more out of them at work as well so it's it's always about finding the right balance for you for your colleagues for your culture at work and I think more I'm seeing more I'm sure you're seeing more organizations doing the right thing by their people
0: Definitely. And I think it's um, I think it's really, you know, we had a, a conversation um, a little while ago where we spoke about compassionate leadership. And I think maybe the, you know, hopefully the the what has been good from the pandemic and has come out of that is this more compassionate driven leadership and understanding. You know, we, we joke about the fact we've all seen the dogs, the cats, the kids, <laughs> you know, we've all seen each other, our, our lives and inside. And I hope we don't lose that, you know, as we start to come back into a hybrid. And as we start to, I think people are hankering for normality, aren't they as well? And I think, but I hope we don't lose that. I hope we don't lose that compassion. And I think particularly around, um, you know, uh, fertility and, and miscarriage, it's, it's such a hidden stress. Isn't it? You know, I think all of us have our lives in the different dimensions of our lives and you don't want to mention it at work because you, it's that classic thing. I don't want them to know I'm pregnant. I don't want them to think I'm not into my role, you know, or whatever it is, isn't it? And now to, to, to work in an organization with a culture, you can just, you know, be open and, and have and, and say, I'm trying for a baby you know, I'm struggling and I really, you know, your support would make a difference to how I, uh, you know, how the best of me that you will get. So I think, you know, it will, I don't think we're there yet, by the way, I think a few pockets of great practice, <laughs> but, you know, just to have that conversation is, is, is a great start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all we can do is plug away and do, do what we are doing to help propagate yeah. that conversation. And
0: yeah, I think
1: the other thing I'm noticing is a lot of people with their feet, So we know that 20% of women will stop working when they hit menopause and may go into other roles or set up on their own, but then 10% of women are leaving work altogether. So, you know, we have to start creating an environment where women feel safe and that they feel that they can flourish during whatever life stage they're going through. So I think you are spot on.
0: And I think, so just on that point, Lauren, any, uh, you know, practical tips, real thoughts around how you know if, if an organization is right at the beginning of its journey and they've maybe looked at menopause and and you know kind of thought okay we can start to look and feel but from menopause and also from a wider holistic view of health and well-being for women what would you say were the you know the first steps for an organization to to get up and running and and start helping their their female employees? Well, I would like to say it's just basically the right thing to do. However, <laughs> that doesn't really land very well
1: with the people holding the purse strings. So more often than not, I'll work with the company to look at, to get them to understand the business case behind supporting women's health. So help them understand how many women have got at what stage in their lives and what types of support they might need. One of the key things about women's health is the majority of it's predictable. We know women have periods. We know there's a period of time when they're likely to be able to, if they wish to, try and have children. And we know that they're going to hit menopause. Most of these things are predictable, therefore you can plan them. Therefore, if you've got the right mechanisms in place, you can support your women right the way through their entire, you know, female life cycle, for want of a better word. And by female, I'm talking about anyone born with a womb who is going to go through all these progesterone changes that they'll go through. So I think understanding how many women are in the organisation, what ages they're at, what life stages they might be impacted by, understanding that if you support them during those key periods in their life, that actually that is going to be giving an ROI that's huge. We know that for every colleague that we leave, it's going to cost somewhere between 115 and 212% of their salary. And that's just the cold, hard numbers. That doesn't account for the lost skills, knowledge, and experience that have walked out the door. So... I think that it's a false economy not to support women. So the first place all starts in the business case. Then if it's relevant, we look at the demographics of the, the local communities and we look at the um, excuse me, we look at the legal case because quite often there, there can be other legal arguments depending on what part of the world that you're in. Mm. So once we know how the numbers stack up, if it's menopause or periods or parenthood, whichever aspect of the life cycle it is, I think it's just having a look at the overall employee journey. So when you're designing a job, when you're recruiting for a job, when you're onboarding, you're doing annual training, where do those things fit in that so that it's the norm? It's just part and parcel of what a company does. Sometimes companies feel better about launching a policy or guidance and having a general awareness session to do that and get it on the agenda. Once we get to the stage of just doing the initial sessions and we start embedding, then it is about blending into the overall life cycle of an employee in a business. And I think that's when you get the real value. You've got triggers on the HR system that will indicate when they've been off and what they've been off for. We can start to gather information of what's really happening if you create a culture where people feel safe to share these things. Because we know, I think we've talked before, You know, women will take time off if they have to. Often they'll turn up to work and be present at work, but maybe not fully focused because they don't want to take time off. So whether we're, we've got a presenteeism situation where they're present not fully functioning or they're off work, quite often they'll say they've had a headache or stomachache or something else but they won't relate that back to what the problem is. And that's from fear, that's purely from fear and not feeling like they can speak out. So the sooner we can create an environment where women can speak out, we can gather the data and we can start to find out what types of things we need to put in place in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And there's a plethora of opportunities to support women. Now, it's just about embracing them and embedding them and making
0: sure they're well soundproofed at work. No, perfect. And I think in, uh, these these hypothetical questions are always difficult. But if where would you like the conversation to be in even two, three years time? So that the next kind of wave or phase of this conversation, what would you like the conversation to be? So for me, I'd like not to be having the conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd like to be a good job. Yeah, so
1: good for it. yeah that's <laughs> ambitious in the next
0: two to three years. Three years.
1: <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it being legislated. I don't think that we can categorically say someone's menopausal or perimenopausal. Mm. So I worry about having menopause as a protected characteristic in the UK, for example, mm. on what we have over here in the Equalities Act. However, I think having some sort of mandatory guidance, some sort of mandatory something, I don't know what the right terminology is, but something that's regulated that says if a woman's going through various parts of her life cycle, menopause, for example, that she should be offered a certain level of support. And I think if, sadly, I would like everyone to feel like it was the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. we know that unless it gets measured, it doesn't get done. So we need something in place, as you said at the beginning, to make sure that, things like this are getting measured, so the support is there. I would like that companies are not thinking twice about menopause policies or period policies being the norm. I would like to think that our women, as a result of getting educated at school, are feeling more comfortable around their knowledge on menopause, and they feel more comfortable reaching out and asking for help and support. Mm. I'd like to see our GPs, our doctors, our family practices, our medical teams globally are all trained on menopause, and they're all women have access to the right medical support should be need So there's a lot of work to do. I don't know how much of that will happen in the next two three years, but I'd like to see. I think I think we're going to see some big steps forward.
0: Um, yeah, and and if nothing else, Lauren, you you've portrayed a great roadmap. You know, for any, anybody that's listening today, that's a great roadmap in terms of step by step and, you know, the ultimate aim, the ultimate goal. And, um, and any, um, any kind of great thoughts around um, where you've seen this done really well, you know, when you, where you've seen great practice or I know there's still a lot of work to do, but is there, you know, any pockets of great practice that you've seen or worked with recently?
1: Yes, I mean, without checking in with the companies themselves, um, I can talk about um, one of the firms I've worked with, Longest, who is a financial services institution, a global firm. And we started off, they saw me doing the event in the city and went, oh, what are you doing over there, please? Can you tell us a little bit of what you're doing? They set up an older people's um, forum network in their organisation. And as part of that generational forum, I was invited to go to their initial launch event and the male manager who set it up talked about menopause to kick it off with and we started doing menopause training we started doing awareness training line management training policy development and over each year over the last six years i think i've been working with them or seven years each year they've done more so this year for example we did fertility training we did menstruation training we looked at all types of parent and that was a half day session because it's so vast and so varied we did sessions on infant loss. We did sessions on children with developmental needs with lifelong medical conditions, and we did sessions on menopause as well. So it was fantastic to see that every month, for you know several months, we did different sessions. We did different topics. We've got handbooks, we've got policies, and we've got lots of signposting to help and support both within their organisation and externally as well. And to me, I know that when they're looking at their job roles, I know they're considering the human being. Mm -hmm. as opposed to the skill set that they're bringing on board and it's just lovely working with them because they just get it and yeah so I think you know that's a company that's quite far down the line they've been doing this for a few years and each year they just grow what they're doing and as people are coming on board they just know that this is normal and part and parcel of what that fund does
0: which which is what we want for any organization isn't it as we said before So Lauren, thank you so much for coming and spending the time with me today to talk about um, menopause, the importance of the focus and all of the work still to be done. I think we recognise the good work that has been done and the narrative as well, but we know that there is a lot more to do. And thank you for your time. And it's been a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sure you'll agree that was an insightful and personal discussion with Lauren and I hope you enjoyed it. I love Lauren's passion and I always find her approach so pragmatic and inspiring. If you would like to hear more about how Lauren supports organisations, please feel free to visit her website, womenofacertainstage.com. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in the work we do at Whittle and Diversity in Retail would like to find out more, please visit our websites wihtl.com and diversityinretail.com or follow us on LinkedIn.